Now to growing concerns about the deadly coronavirus officially hitting the U.S. Here's what we know. A Washington state resident fell ill after returning from Wuhan, China, where the outbreak began. Officials now say more than 400 people have been sickened and nine people have died. My fellow Americans, tonight I want to speak with you about our nation's unprecedented response to the coronavirus outbreak that started in China and is now spreading throughout the world. Today, the World Health Organization officially announced that this is a global pandemic. To keep new cases from entering our shores, we will be suspending all travel from Europe to the United States for the next 30 days. There were more than 45,000 new cases reported Friday, the highest single-day increase yet. We heard a sobering prediction today from Dr. Anthony Fauci, the country's leading infectious disease expert, said normal life may not return until the end of next year. UNL Chancellor Ronnie Green released a statement Thursday afternoon, canceling classes for next week. After that is spring break. And when that's over, the rest of the spring semester classes will be taught remotely. For Campus Voices, I'm your host, Jeff Ekstrom. The coronavirus pandemic has been a historic and unforgettable chapter in human history. Over the past 10 months, people around the world have lost jobs, friends, and family members. Businesses and even governments have been forced to close in order to deal with the rapid spread and sickness COVID-19 brings. On December 2nd, there were 14 million cases in the United States alone, with over 274,000 deaths. Despite strict mask mandates and pleas for social distancing for many health departments, COVID-19 cases continue to rise. As flu season starts to take hold, rising numbers won't slow down anytime soon. Life still has to go on, however, and that brings the question of continuing normal practices in an unparalleled time. Flexibility and preparation have never been more key for homes and workplaces around the world. That is certainly the case for higher education, whose institutions have mostly opened back up in the fall despite closing down in the spring. The University of Nebraska-Lincoln has been no exception. After a handful of cases were found on campus, UNL Chancellor Ronnie Green shut things down last March, telling students to stay at home after spring break, with classes going online the rest of the semester. But with the summer to prepare for the oncoming challenge, UNL welcomed back students on campus in August adapting existing facilities to abide by social distancing to hold in-person classes. As a result, UNL was able to make it through the fall semester. However, updated last on December 2nd, there are still over 1,800 cases on campus out of nearly 20,000 tests, which comes out to around a 9% positivity rate. There were still some problems, however, such as being only one testing center for 25,000 students and sometimes the lack of communication between different departments. In response to those problems, UNL's student newspaper, The Daily Nebraskan, stepped up to the plate, creating a COVID-19 coverage team to bring more transparency to the coronavirus situation at Nebraska. 
Yeah, so my name is David Berman. Um, I am a junior at University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Um, and currently I am the, the Daily Nebraskans uh, COVID section co-editor. Berman has been a writer for the Daily Nebraskan ever since he stepped onto campus as a freshman, working as a copywriter before transitioning into culture his sophomore year. Yeah, so uh, summer before my freshman year, I applied to the DN um, and pretty much listed I would be in, I would be interested in doing anything here. Um, and so the the copy section, the copy chief at the time, she contacted me, and <laughs> without even an, an interview, she was just like, "Yep." You're good. We we would like to have you in copy, but I definitely wanted to do more, and so um, I I knew some people in the culture section at the time, and I just one day went up to the culture editor and was like, hey, can I come to one of your budgets one night, and see if I like it? And yeah, I really fell in love with the culture section. Entering this year as a junior, Berman had secured a spot on the culture editor staff. But with COVID-19 ravaging around UNL, he was given a different opportunity. One day, uh, uh, my friend and, and, and boss Haley, she's, she's the managing editor at the DN, um, she, she gave me a call one morning and she was like, hey, we're starting this new COVID section and we'd like you to be one of the editors for it. And it definitely kind of surprised me. Um, and at first, you know, I, it, it, was, it was definitely overwhelming um, and, I, and I wasn't sure if I, it was something I wanted to do. But I, I kind of felt this this calling to 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 do something greater. Um, and you know, the culture section is great, and I learned so much there. And I think you absolutely can write impactful pieces in the culture section, but it's just a whole different animal when you're focused on something that is so important. Like you are covering the topic that is the most important for students to learn about on campus. And I kind of felt that that calling to pursue that. Thrown in the fire right away, Berman soon set his sights on Greek Life's bid day, which saw many large gatherings in and outside of Greek's houses. Kind of talk about the first, uh, our first big story. Um, so yeah, so I I was asked to join the section on on that Thursday. I don't remember the exact date, but um, and so then we decided we were doing it, and um, on Sunday we like. Uh, Zach and I recorded a podcast where we kind of announced the section and we had both just been tested at that point for the first time. And so we talked about our perspective getting tested in the university system and in the Test Nebraska system. Um, and, and yeah, so we recorded that podcast and we wrote a little story about it. And that came out on um, that Monday. Um, and so the first day that we announced that this section is happening, that night we start hearing reports and seeing photos that very large gatherings were happening at UNL Greek houses um, for bid day. And so it was kind of just, we were thrown right into the fire with that. Mm -hmm. And so Zach and I decided to head down there um, and pretty much for about half an hour, 45 minutes, we were just walking around um, and live tweeting what we were seeing. We took photos of, of people gathering outside their houses. Um, and just tweet about what we were seeing, you know, very large crowds um, standing outside for sure, but not socially distanced, um, very few masks from what we were seeing. So yeah, so I, I think going into it, I didn't 
really expect much from it. I, I knew, you know, we, we were taking photos of it and I kind of thought that would ruffle some feathers, but I did not think it would get the response that we did get. Um, pretty much immediately, you know, that our, our coverage just kind of blew up. Let's say, kind of explore the emotional toll. I mean, you get, I mean, I know some people even made a fake account of like that had your mom, for example, and you create a fake account that acted as your mom and tweeted that in the replies. But you also got some outreach from journalists such as Chris Hetty, former World, Omaha World Herald writer. What kind of emotional toll does that take? I never experienced it firsthand of people just being like, oh, you know, this is fake news. You're trying to push an agenda with this. Um, and that was really disheartening to see for sure. And yeah, I'm not gonna lie. It, it really sucked to, to receive all that negative feedback. Um, I, I think I'm, you know, to a fault sometimes, I'm a person who likes to be liked. Um, and there's a part of me that definitely was like, oh, like some people don't like me. <laughs> but, um, and, I, and you know, some people might say, well, hey, hey man, you chose the wrong line of business because that's, that's, really, that's not really the gig here. Um, but I think once I kind of put that aside and I, you know, I heard, I heard from my friends, I heard, I heard from my roommates and, you know, like you and who, you know, other students who were in the journalism college who were reaching out were like, hey, you know, you, you did a really great job. You were doing the right thing. Um, heard that from my editors. Um, like you said, got reached, um, Chris Hetty, former Omaha World Herald reporter, he reached out to me. Um, and, you know, I think I, I, it was a really good lesson of learning how to tune out, you know, listening to the right people. I think the people whose opinions really matter to me they all kind of affirmed, you know, you were doing the right thing. You didn't do anything wrong. Um, and there's no, there's no need for me to listen to anonymous trolls on Twitter. <laughs> um, and I think that was kind of the main lesson I took from this. That wasn't the only controversy Berman had to deal with. For the rest of the semester, he crafted stories on UNL's response to COVID-19 and why the university wasn't being as transparent as they could be. And yeah, I think our main source of frustration from the university has been how and when they've been telling us information. Um, you know, I think we haven't been receiving, you know, a lot of timely communication with them. Um, when we do have questions that we ask, it's kind of hit or miss on if we'll get a response, when we'll get a response. Um, and yeah, no, like, it's, I'm sure it is extremely challenging for them as well. And, you know, it's, it's been a tough semester for everybody. And I'm sure they are handling way more media requests than they ever have, um, or at least on a more frequent daily basis, I'm sure. Um, so yeah, I think so some leeway is, is expected there, but I think, you know, it, it has been frustrating One of the biggest concerns from UNL students is that the university was trying to stay open no matter what, despite their safety. Um, and so I, and you know, it was inevitable that cases were going to happen on campus if you have in-person stuff. And so I think I understand from the perspective of the university wanting to stay open even with high levels of cases because they feel like they have the ability to handle it. 
but also I think, and you know, I think you're seeing this problem all over the nation. Um, it's it's very clear, I think, to students and parents and just people from the outside looking in that this isn't this isn't economic. That like you know, the university is remaining open for financial reasons because if they didn't have in-person classes and they couldn't have students on campus, they would you know universities across the country would close. Um, and I don't know specifically to what extent it would impact UNL, but it would certainly, you know, cost hundreds of jobs and, you know, and and really impact the university on a, you know, on a long-term scale. But overall, it's been a learning experience for Berman, who grew as a journalist and learned to question the established order, no matter how big or powerful they are. I think, you know, I, I had to educate myself really quickly on, you know, how university communications work and kind of the, the, the administrative kind of bureaucracy that, ha that, that happens and um, kind of accepting the reality of that because, you know, that was not something I really had to deal with in culture. Um, you know, certainly I had to deal with PR staff at the Lead Center, um, but there's not that level of guardedness for, you know, how they're, for, for what play, play is going on there. Um, and I think just learning how to navigate that has been, has been really, really interesting and, and very educational. Like, I think, you know, I think for other journalism students out there, there's the, there is no experience that is going to teach you how to be a journalist better than actually doing it. And like, just, you know, getting that practice, like doing just, you know, professional on-the-job journalism, I think will teach you more than any class that you can take. Despite the rising numbers in cases, things are looking up. Most recently, Pfizer announced they are nearly ready to distribute millions of doses of a vaccine. According to reports, the vaccine is 95% effective. But that doesn't mean it's time to relax. With flu season underway, it is vastly important to keep your masks up and social distance in order to keep everyone safe. Thank you for joining me, everyone, as this has been another edition of Campus Voices. And I've been your host, Jeff Extra. Enjoy your day.